There was this show that I loved called The Glades. It ran for, I think, about four seasons or something like that. And at the beginning, I wasn't sure about the show, but then I got really, really, really into it. And when season four ended, the main character was about to marry the love of his life. He bought her this beautiful house and he was getting everything ready for after the wedding. He was throwing petals and chilling champagne and making sure that everything was amazing and perfect for when she arrived. And then he gets shot and he falls on the ground, blood all over the place. And that's how the show ends. I was so upset. There was never a next season. There was never an explanation. There was never closure. And all we knew was that the bride was waiting at the altar and the groom was probably dead on the floor of this new house that he bought just for her, which was, by the way, her dream house. Why am I telling you this? Because there's nothing I hate more than unfinished business, right? Like things that feel unfinished, unresolved, things that are have an open ending and you just don't know. And there's ways to do open endings that work, don't get me wrong. But when it's like this, when it's like, oh, wait, what, what, that's it, then it doesn't work. Now, last time I started part one of a series called the ABCs of public speaking. And while obviously we are not going to go letter by letter and cover all 26 letters of the alphabet, I do want to continue that series today with part two. There might be a part three, so I'm telling you right now, we might not end this until the new year because we have another very awesome episode that I don't want you to miss next week. We're going to close with a very inspirational and very touching story that we can all learn from next week. So don't miss that. But today I want to do the middle of our ABCs. So today we're going to cover LMNO. <laughs> there is an obvious lack of leadership in the world. Nations without effective governments, businesses unable to adapt to crisis and change, schools where adults are afraid of children, and families that have lost their standing as the foundation of society. Is there any hope? What can anyone do to change this grim outlook? This is Sincerely Speaking, and here we will explore how self-leadership and the pillars of clarity, communication, connection, and competence can ignite the fire of change one spark at a time. I am Marcy Amaro, and I welcome you to this open conversation here in Sincerely Speaking. I love it when you teach little kids their ABCs and the LMNO part just kind of runs together and it sounds almost like it's one letter called LMNO. I just really love that. But today we are going to cover those four letters. It's really three things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk the L, which stands for listening. We're going to talk about the M, which stands for message. And then we're going to put together the NO to form the word no. And we're going to talk about some no's today. So listening, messaging, and no. Are you ready to dive in? Let's start with listening. Now, listening is one of the most overlooked and yet most powerful parts of public speaking. People often think that when you are speaking to an audience, it's you talking to them. They might have a reaction or two. And then that's the extent of it. That's all that the audience brings, just reactions or responses. 
if you are one of the most active speakers or most enge engaging speakers, then you are going to involve the audience in responses and in, in asking them to do things, raise their hand, say yes, uh, give me an amen, things, things along those lines. You know what I mean, right? But for the most part, we tend to think of, of public speaking or of delivering a message as a one-sided occurrence you the speaker or you the presenter are standing there giving information or presenting ideas whatever that the case might be and your audience is mostly passively listening taking in maybe they're encouraged enough to take notes maybe like i said if you're one of the more engaging speakers or one of the most more active speakers you start to look for ways in which to involve the audience in response and um just reactions and having them do things and moving around. But for the most part, it's very one-sided. The problem is that we miss, and I am <laughs> adamant about this, and I talk about this all the time, we miss the fact, and it is a fact, that presenting is communication. And communication, in order to be effective, has to involve two people or the interaction between two elements, right? Between the... Um, person delivering and the person or people receiving. There has to be an interaction and an exchange. It has to be a conversation that goes back and forth in one way or another. And one of the elements that we most often neglect in all communication, not just in presentation, but even in conversations, in one-on-one -on -one conversations, is how important listening is. And we, I often get the question, but wait a minute, if you are standing on a stage or if you are on one side of the screen and your audience is on the other side of the screen, how on earth do you listen? Well, listening is more than just sound entering your ears. That's hearing. And that is that's a physiological thing that barring any kind of um, misfires or any kind of issues with your hearing device, you are going to do automatically and you can't really help it. I mean, you can block it a little bit, but you can't really help the noise entering your ears, right? And that's hearing. That is automatic. That is unintentional. And that is out of your control pretty much. But listening is not. Listening is very intentional. Listening is deliberate. And listening is completely completely under your control, whether you listen or not. So when we're talking about public speaking, listening becomes particularly important because it's what allows us to develop that empathy. It's what allows us to connect at a deeper level with our audience. It's what allows us as speaker to shift and tweak and ebb and flow depending on what we are sensing and receiving from the audience. So if we are not actively purposefully and deliberately listening to our audience, we will fail in making that connection, or at least we won't go as far in the element of connection as we could if we engaged in listening. So when it comes to public speaking, listening occurs in three different stages or at three different levels, right? It occurs as part of the preparation,
It occurs as what I call context, and I will explain that in a minute. And it occurs as feedback as well. So we have three different levels, which you can also think of as before, during, and after. So it's preparation, context, and feedback before, during, and after. The preparation stage is the only part of listening that I hear taught out there. It's really the only thing that you are told to do. And you are more told to do it as a marketing and preparation tactic overall than as part of the listening and speaking element of the communication that takes place in your presentation. So the preparation element is getting to know as much about your audience, their pains, their frustrations, their desires, and the outcomes that they're looking for before you even get on stage is not just sitting down and saying, oh, I have a good idea. I'm going to talk about whatever it is that you're talking about, right? I'm going to talk about the best materials to use with basket weaving. And I wish I knew basket weaving. I mean, anyway, um, but that's the idea that you have. Now, does your audience care enough about the best materials to use? Does your audience have an interest in knowing the best materials to use? So it's before you even sit down and finalize your idea or your topic or the content that you're going to present is knowing whether or not that content, that idea, that topic is going to appeal to the people that you are going to be speaking to or that you hope to speak to. So it's thinking about what does my audience want? See, for example, um, I... I'm about to start today a three-day challenge called Start Your Show. You're probably still in time to join if you're listening to this before Thursday the 22nd. It's startyourshow.com. And even after, I will have opportunities for you to get the recordings if you want. So startyourshow.com. Go ahead on over there. But the point I'm trying to make is this. The, show, the challenge is about how to start your own platform for your message. So I focus more on podcasting because it's what I know best, but I also address YouTube channels. I also address blogging. I also address um, things like summits and challenges and online events. I address all those things. But the reason I decided to put together that challenge is because the question I get most often from people who just meet me, who have just gotten to know me is, ooh, I've always wanted a podcast, but it sounds like a lot of work. How do you even get started with that? That is usually the most common question I get from people who aren't yet working with me, right? So I paid attention and I was listening to what their questions were, their pain points. And I was also noticing patterns and similarities between the people that were asking me that question, right? And so when you go there and you look, one of the things that I have on there that I don't really have on any of my other pages is an appeal directly to authors because I often have authors who want to transition into being speakers, into getting their message out there more effectively, into drawing more attention to the books that they have written. And podcasting is one of the ways that they can do that. So I listened to what my audience had to say or my potential audience had to say, what people were asking me about, what people were curious about. And I made a challenge. I made something out of it that I am going to present. But it wasn't necessarily that I sat down and said, oh, it might be a good idea too, right? <laughs> that came after like the 10th or the 12th or the 13th person that asked me, how do you even get started putting together a podcast? Make sense? So listening at the preparation level is trying to connect deeply with what people are telling you that are potentially your audience. 
It's trying to get to that space where you start noticing the patterns and the questions, where you start feeling attuned with what the person is saying even before they say it, where you can almost anticipate what they're going to say because you've been listening so intently and hearing it so often that now you know what is going to come next, right? And you get to have conversations where the person talking to you says, how did you know? How did you know that was going to be my question? Or how did you know that's what I'm struggling with? And that is the level of preparation listening that you should have. Now, context is really, really important. And I am going to address it both for live events, in-person events, and for virtual events. When you are talking about context, you are trying to feel the room, right? You're trying to read the room. Like they say, when you enter a space and there's tension and you come in with a joke and they look at you and they're like, read the room, man. That is exactly what I'm talking about is being able to sense what is going on, how the audience is responding to what they're hearing, the questions or the doubts that might be bubbling up, whether they're starting to feel tense or angry or um, frustrated or sad or whatever it might be that they're starting to experience as a result of listening to what you've said so far. So you're constantly trying to sense the energy, so to speak, in the room to make sure that you are matching that energy. Because if you said something that caused your audience to feel frustrated and you roll over it like nothing just happened, they are not going to connect with the rest of your message at the same level that they would if you stopped for a second and said, okay, I know you're probably feeling frustrated right now. I can sense the frustration in the room, or I know that you're probably thinking this, that, or the other. Now, how do you do that if you are in a, an in-person event? It's a lot easier, right? Because you are paying attention to the body language in the room. If you suddenly see people start to cross their arms and lean back on their chair, they're getting angry or frustrated. If you start to see them leaning in like <laughs> with eyes wide open, they're very interested. They might even be in awe of what you just said. If you're noticing that people are yawning and kind of putting their head to the side, they're bored. <laughs> they're about to fall asleep on you. So you can just look at the body language and kind of sense what's going on. And it's okay for you as a speaker, especially if you are in an in-person event, especially if it's a long event where you're going to be speaking for a long while, it's okay for you to call that out and to say, you know what, I think we need a little stretch break. Let's just stretch, let's breathe, tell your neighbor what you've learned so far, or let's go ahead and see who can get a question up to me, who can get it up here the fastest, throw it at me, run it to me, whatever, whatever your question is, get it to me as fast as possible, let's see who can be first, right? And it's okay for you to create a little bit of chaos there just to shift the energy and just to shift the, the, um, the air, right? The environment a little bit. You don't want to go too overboard, but you can. It's okay. If you're sensing that they're angry, call it out. I can sense that you're getting angry by what I just said, but bear with me because I promise I won't leave you angry. Or there's a reason why it's okay for you to be angry or why it's important for you to be angry at this point. Just call it out. Tell it like it is. And if you deliberately did things to cause that kind of a reaction, tell them why it's important for them to feel that way at that moment. Maybe you want them frustrated because you want them to take action at the end. Maybe you want them angry because you want to use their um, outrageousness or their feeling of outrage, that's what I meant to say, or their feeling of 
is being completely taken aback by what you said in order to light the fire under them, for them to take action, for them to try to change whatever the environment is. Maybe you want them to feel sad so that they can empathize with the story you're saying so that they can experience a transformation later on. But don't leave them in disempowering states. Don't leave them feeling angry. Don't leave them feeling frustrated. Don't leave them feeling sad. Don't leave them feeling in a way that they are just um, intuitively going to cross their arms, cross their hearts, and close their ears, so to speak, and not want to do anything with the information that you're presenting. Any presentation that you give that is meant to be impactful or um, that is meant to have a lasting effect on people has to have some sort of transformational element to them. You're taking them through a journey. You're taking them from A to Z in whatever span of time you have to be in front of them. And emotions are a big part of that. So you want to elicit and incite some emotions. The thing is, you don't want to leave them in emotions that won't lead to action. You want to leave them with emotions that will inspire and catapult or propel is the word, propel them to further action, propel them to do whatever it is that the transformation requires, right? Now, if your virtual is a little bit harder because you're not necessarily seeing them or you're not necessarily being able to feel it in real time like it might be a recording that people are watching later in that case your context that part of the listening that happens during is going to require you to do further preparation at the beginning so that you can anticipate as you present what the emotions might be Right. And so that you can say things like, I am willing to bet that right now you're feeling this, or I guess you might be experiencing this emotion, or I am um, guessing that at this point you feel and will lead your audience to feeling like you really understand them, almost like they're there with you. If you are in a Zoom meeting or um, in a Facebook live or any kind of life where you can have comments and reactions, invite them to comment and react the same way you would if they were in person. So have you ever experienced this comment? Yes, in the chat. Or have you ever wondered about this? Tell me in the chat. If you can see them, raise your hand if, or if you have electronic hands on Zoom, raise your electronic hand if this is you, and then give a scenario. How about, how many of you are experiencing this right now? Raise your hand and make sure that you are inviting them into the conversation. If you can see faces and names, maybe call some people's names, especially if you see their eyes that are distracted or if you see that they're not necessarily looking at you or their cameras are off, call them out. Make them part of the conversation. Make it so that they know that they're not invisible to you, that you are actually paying attention to what they are experiencing and what they're sensing. And that's all part of the context piece of creating the environment you want with your particular presentation. If you know you're getting to a heavy part of the presentation, you might invite them to take a breath or two. If you know you're getting to a part that's going to cause them to get into fear or self-doubt or start asking a lot of questions about whether they have the capability of doing what you're going to invite them to do. Ask them to stop for a minute, put everything down, close their eyes, and envision the world 
if they did this. Envision their lives if they did this. Envision how everything would shift and change once they do the thing that you're inviting them to do so that they see the value in actually participating in whatever it is that you're inviting them to do. But context basically means don't forget that there's humans at the other end of your conversation, that you're not just talking to a screen or not just talking to a flickering light in front of you or just delivering information for the sake of information. There are human beings, there are souls, there are minds, there are people who are receiving your information and who are going to have some sort of reaction or some sort of um, response to what you're saying. So make sure that you are not just being aware of those reactions and responses, but that you're letting them know that you are and that you're inviting them to be okay with expressing those emotions and those reactions so that they can move forward, so that they can get closer to the transformation, which leads to the last bit of listening, which happens after, which is feedback. And some of the feedback happens throughout, right? Like if you are delivering a presentation and you see a lot of people get up and leave, that's very clear feedback. If you are delivering a presentation and you see people leaning forward and really paying attention and in awe of what you're saying, that's feedback. If you are delivering a presentation and you say something like, we're nearing the end of our time together and they go, oh, that's feedback. Or if you say we're nearing the end of our time together and they go, <laughs> that's feedback too, right? So it, there's feedback that happens throughout, but especially at the end, invite honest feedback. Now, here's what I will say about feedback. Feedback always has outliers. So you will always have people who no matter what happens, no matter what you do, they're going to think it's amazing. They're going to say it's the best thing since sliced bread. And they're going to tell you that there's absolutely nothing for you to change, fix, alter, or um, just tweak. Everything is perfect. You're amazing. You are the best thing ever. And your presentation was incredible, spot on. Everything was wonderful. You're also going to have people that no matter how what you do, how much you prepare, how much you try, they're going to hate it. And they are either going to avoid giving you feedback or they're going to be like, oh, it was fine. Or if they're really bold and blunt, they're going to be like, no, I hate it every second of it. You're just so wrong. Right? So you're always going to have those two. What you want to look for is the most common. So you want to go kind of in the middle, right? And also be careful. You don't want feedback from just anybody. So if you have people in the audience that you trust and that you know, make sure that it's not your mom or your best friend, right? <laughs> Unless you have a really honest and direct best friend. I have a couple of those. Um, so make sure that it's someone that you know is going to tell you the truth. Yes. And go to those take those in, but then everybody else kind of listen for the averages, listen for the patterns again, listen for the things that repeat. If you hear a lot of people say anything that has to do with it was too long, then maybe it's time to trim it. If you hear a lot of people say something about your tone of voice being too monotone, maybe it's time to practice inflecting your voice and playing with the tone of your voice. And that doesn't mean that you have to change the way you speak. It just means that you get to be a little bit more aware of the fact that you have to bring humanity and energy into it. And that's a conversation for a different time, I guess. But just listen intently to the patterns, to the things that repeat, to the things that you hear several times, and not even once or twice, several times, right? Like if 10 people give you feedback, what did you hear at least four, five, six times? Yes. And then listen to 
what is actionable with, within that, right? So if somebody says, I hated everything that you had to say, like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Can you be a little bit more specific? I really want to grow. I really want to expand. What was it exactly that you hated about what I had to say? Well, I don't know. I just hated it. That's just someone who hates everything, <laughs> right? And that's not actionable. You can't just change everything because one person said they hate everything, right? But you might have someone who says something along the lines of, well, you know what? I wasn't too keen on what you had to say. And you asked the question, right? Well, could you elaborate a little bit? I'm really trying to, always trying to improve. Could you tell me what it was that you weren't keen on? Repeat their words, right? And they might say something like, well, I don't, I'm not sure that I agree with this fact that you presented, or I'm not sure where you got your statistics because I heard something different. Or um, there was something in your tone rare, there near the middle that didn't seem to match the, the severity or the seriousness of what you were presenting. And that rubbed me the wrong way or things along those lines, right? Those are actionable. You can go double check your facts. You can ask them, okay, this is where I got my facts. Do you have any place else that you suggest I look in? Because I always want to have the best facts at my disposal, right? So those things are actionable and that's what you're really looking for. So look for that feedback. Again, that is a pattern that isn't just one or two people saying it. And also that is actionable that you can do something about. And also that feels like something that you want to look at. Maybe you just don't want to change it maybe your message you feel really needs that part of it, then maybe think about how you can make it so that it's more evident that that's part of the process or so that it's smoother in its um, as it enters and does its thing within your presentation, right? Like maybe you have to get your audience angry in order to get them through the transformation, but how do you do it in a way that doesn't get them so angry or so deeply invested in that anger that they don't listen to anything else that you have to say? Or how do you swing them out of that anger with enough precision that they do still listen to everything else that you have to say, right? So tweaking those things as a, re as a result of your feedback is really important. So again, prepare your research, pay, atten pay attention to the context and invite feedback. The uh, M is your message. And I don't have time to get too much into this, but I believe your message should follow what I call what I call spark talking. So first of all, I use talking as opposed to presentation or speech or delivery. I use talk because we are used to talking. We talk since we learned how to talk. We never stopped for the most part, right? And talking is natural. Talking comes uh, with the territory of being human. Some of us are more intentional in talking than others. Some of us are more comfortable with talking than others, but all of us talk. So if you think about any interaction, any public speaking presentation, anything that you're doing as just talking, you're just having a conversation, that shifts the energy in you, which in turn will shift the energy in the person that is receiving the information. But SPARK is an acronym and it stands for story-based is the S, P is personal, a is actionable, R is relatable, and K is knowledge transfer. So story-based, personal, actionable, relatable, and knowledge transfer. So any information or anything that you prepare, any talk that you are doing should have those five elements. It should be a spark talk. So story-based, we are hardwired 
to pay attention to and lean into stories. We always want to know stories and we always want to know how they end. So if you can incorporate stories that are relevant, stories that are relatable, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, stories that attract your audience's attention, stories that draw people in and that make them lean in, then you will have a greater chance of having a presentation and a message that resonates with your audience and that allows them to put themselves inside your presentation and see themselves doing or taking advantage of or participating in or engaging in the transformation, whatever it is that you're calling them to do, they will see themselves in there because of the story that you're presenting. Now, one thing I will say really quickly, and again, we don't have time to go all into all the elements of Spark, but your stories should be framed in such a way that your audience is the hero and not you. Your audience is the hero. Your audience is the one that has to see themselves in that story, even if it is your own personal story narrated in a way that will allow them to see themselves in that position. And that's a conversation for a different time. The P is personal. So it has to be a story that touches you personally. That doesn't mean it has to be your story that you lived through. It could be something that someone you know went through. It could be something that you read. It could be something that you heard. But if it didn't touch you personally, it won't touch your audience personally either. And you won't be able to deliver it in a way that makes that kind of an impact that draws them in in the right way so it has to be personal it has to be something that touched you touches you and that you can deliver with passion it has to be actionable so it has to lead to something that they can implement do or that will help them understand something so it can't just be um, just a cute story that is nice to listen to right and although there's a space and a place for entertainment when you are delivering a presentation that you want to be impactful, that you want to have some sort of transformation start or begin, right? Spark is also an igniting of a fire, right? It's lighting that fire so that people feel the need to move forward, so that people feel compelled to do something. So if you don't make it actionable, if you don't make your information something that they can use in some way, shape, or form, then it's going to just be a cute thing that they listen to. They maybe smiled for a little bit. They maybe felt motivated for two seconds and then it was gone right so all your effort in preparing and delivering will not be lasting will be fleeting it will go away like that <laughs> right and it just that's it like i remember when i was in college <laughs> i was part of the student government and we actually had ellen degeneres before she was ellen degeneres come in and i got to meet her it was really fun but that's not the point of the story the point was have you ever sat through a stand-up comic act, right? I sat through that entire hour and something, hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes stand-up comedy act. It was wonderful. I remember laughing uproariously. It was hysterical. But the only thing she said that I remember was a cat joke. And the reason why I remember the cat joke is because the cat joke said something about throwing a cat off a balcony, and I'm not condoning this, but... I really didn't like cats. I really don't love them still. But at the time, I was really against cats. And when she said the cat jumps off the or thrown off the balcony, whatever it was that she said, I went, yeah. And she actually commented on my response. And so I remember the gist of the cat joke because she made it personal to me. So have you ever been in a space where you are hearing something 
and suddenly they point to you or they call your name or they say, if you're from this town or something that directly links to you. And you're like, yeah. And that's what you remember, right? So that comes with this whole piece of making it actionable and personable and personal and the next piece, which is the relatable part. So I have to be able to see myself in whatever is being said, because otherwise it's for everybody else but me. So it has to be something that I can relate to, that I can connect to. And then finally, the knowledge transfer, I have to teach you something at some point. And it doesn't have to be anything deep. It can be something as simple as smiling is important. It can be something as deep as you can change the world with your message. It can be something as natural and everyday as let's love one another, right? I don't know. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be deep. But at some point, you as the speaker open up and you get the information that you have out of you and unto them and you pass it on to your audience and you tell them, okay, this is what I know. This is what I think you can use. And now it's up to you to see what you're going to do with it, right? So when you prepare your message in a spark talk way where you are making it story-based, we are making it personal, where you are making it actionable, relatable, and there's a knowledge transfer in there, you are going to start your audience on a path to transformation that they wouldn't otherwise experience. So that's the M. And then I told you that I was going to combine the N and the, no, and the O to make no. So we're going to talk about some no things, some no's. The first one is no copying. <laughs> no copying. And that should go without saying, don't copy anybody else. Don't copy their style. Don't copy their exact pattern. Like, yeah, learn what works, right? And there are frameworks for you to follow, but don't copy exactly what other people say. My worst experience with mentors and coaching and just going in and trying to figure out what to do at the beginning of my journey was this one person that I trusted very much and she delivered this presentation that I sat through I thought it was fabulous at the time I took tons of notes I took something like five pages worth of notes in my journal and I was really excited I got on the call I got into debt to join her program and then I realized that she had no clue what she was doing now a little while later like a couple of weeks later I heard this other person, a completely different person, advertise a presentation that sounded like it might have something to do with what I was paying this person to teach me. I join that free call and literally verbatim, word for word, I took out my notes from my journal, the five pages worth of notes. And as I sat there and listened to this person deliver, I could follow the stories, I could follow the information that was presented, I could follow the delivery method, everything was exactly the same. Now, the person I paid was paying this other person to train them. And instead of giving it their own spin, or just taking the framework and the gist and the, the essence of it and making it her own, she copied everything, word for word. And that's why she was so lost in the delivery, because it wasn't her framework. It wasn't her information. It was somebody else's information that she was trying to make personal, right? So there will always, sooner or later, at one point or another, the fact that it's not your 
information. The fact that you're copying someone else will come through and it will leave a very bad taste in that person's mouth. To this day, it's very hard for me to even see that person's name without getting all these negative emotions bubbling up, right? And it's something that I need to heal, something that I get to deal with, but it's just the truth, right? So no copying. And the other two I'm going to jam together, they have something to do with copying, but I call them no comparisonitis and no guru-noma, right? So there's a very specific reason why I chose to do those word, words. Comparisonitis, the itis at the end, is like an infection, right? And you know, when you get an infection, you start feeling bad. You start feeling feverish and sick and weak and like all your strength is gone. You start feeling like you're not yourself. You start feeling like there's something amiss, like there's something that needs to be fixed because there's something very, very wrong. You might even um, be so weak that you can't move forward and you might be so taken down by this infection, right? That it's just overpowering like if you don't take care of an infection right away then you can go into sepsis and not to get technical or medical because i'm not a doctor but you can go into sepsis which is life-threatening right so when you compare yourself to others when you look at what others are doing and you think oh my gosh either i'm not that good or i'm not that far along or i should do it the way they're doing it and i can't it's an infection that starts corroding your ability to do what you are designed and meant to do so don't fall into comparisonitis it's deadly it will eventually become septic and it will ruin your life and the gurunoma sounds like a cancer right like a carcinoma and a cancer just eats at and corrodes the tissue that is there so healthy tissue becomes just corroded and eaten away and destroyed by this cancer that leeches on it so when you look at gurus and i'm not knocking gurus there are some amazing people out there that deserve the title of guru right but when you look at a guru and you start thinking i will never be as good as they are or i can't do it the way they do it or i need them to validate and certify what I'm doing before I can move forward or I have to sound like they sound or I have to be as energetic as they are and if he jumps I get to jump and if he puts music on I get to put music on and the it's going to corrode at your tissue at your beautiful essence that you get to bring into whatever it is that you're doing so look at gurus for inspiration look at gurus to shorten your learning curve Look to gurus to mentor you and help you find your own special, unique way of doing the thing. But don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 20. Don't try to be where they're at. Don't try to be who they are. Learn from them. Grow with them. Get as much as you can from them that is relatable and that is actionable for you. But make it your own. So there it is. LMNO. <laughs> Part two of the ABCs of public speaking, which was listen, take care of your message, and know there are some no's that you get to look at by there. Now, we are going to wrap up the series in the new year with part three, where we're going to look at other 
three letters near the end of the alphabet and we will wrap it up with that but like i said next week we have a very special episode that i don't want you to miss so make sure that you check it out make sure that you subscribe if you haven't so that you get all the notifications and so that you don't miss it because you really won't want to miss next week's and i wish all of you happy holidays if you're listening before the holidays and a happy new year and just all the best into 2023 And I look forward to continuing to share with you here on Sincerely Speaking. Have a great day.